seats remain seated. Your vehicle will begin moving immediately. Remain seated, please. Our travels are resuming now. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. We all remember seeing years ago those futuristic drawings saying what the future is going to be. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. Gleaming buildings, fast monorails. This is the future. That was all started by a monster. Twice the size of Manhattan. We want you to share with us our latest and greatest dream. Walt Disney World. Better than any other urban environment in America. Two True Freaks proudly presents... We hope that it will be unlike anything else on this earth. Golf courses, campgrounds, stores, hotels... Earning My Ears. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for everyone who participates. We're ready to go right now. Hello and welcome to Episode 2 of Earning My Ears. My name is Scott Gardner and I am joined as always by my very good friend, Scott Rifen. Hello! (laughs) Did you get my text message this morning? Uh, let's see. I have my... No, I don't have my phone right here. Uh, no, I don't think I did. <laughs> oh, well, darn. I sent it to you probably 8.30 this morning. Uh, I was following one of my good friends who's from here, who's a custodian in Liberty Square, uh-huh. was putting out that uh, he and some other cast members ran into George Lucas in the Magic Kingdom last night. No way. Yes. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sure would be great to just kind of run into somebody like that. Because it's funny, you know, I, I see quite a bit on Facebook every now and again. There there are different, uh, you know, there's actually many different uh, Disney groups that uh, I'm a member of. And I, I couldn't tell you which one it was most recently, but one of them that I follow had a little, you know, a little thread. I, what do they call it when it's Facebook? It's not really a thread, is it? Or is it a thread? I don't even know. I don't know the terminology, but... They had a question thing going on, and it was directed to cast members that were a part of this group. Now, it's not a cast member exclusive group. I mean, anybody can join, but it was directed to cast members to tell their stories of, like, their favorite celebrity encounters. And what's funny is, I mean, I have encountered celebrities, you know, who in my mind are celebrities, but, you know, it wasn't, I've never had one of the big ones, you know what I mean? Like a movie star where everybody goes, ooh, you know, it's mine, mine are pretty minor. So it'd be pretty cool to actually run into, uh, you know, somebody like George Lucas or somebody like that. You know, because I know you had a great one on your last trip. You ran into uh, to Joe Rohde over in uh, Animal Kingdom, and I was so jealous. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm in the parks all the time and never have these things happen. And, you know, you run right into him. Yeah, well, the, and the weirdest thing was I was just giving one of my standard classroom lectures to my wife that she loves so much about <laughs> Joe Rohde and, you know, just how thoroughly he immersed himself in all of these different cultures and experiences to to create animal kingdom and uh, just the level the sheer level of detail in that place mm-hmm. and uh, i said you know and everything you see here i mean it's pretty much joe Rody's baby and then uh, within 45 minutes of that lecture we sat down for a treat by the river and we were in a little isolated area we didn't think anybody was going to come and i turn around and i look up and and i just the first thing out of my mouth was oh hey joe Rody." <laughs> that is cool though that is really cool yeah he let us take pictures and you know he's he's i said do you mind if i take a picture he's well i am working today so sure so okay so i guess <laughs> if he was on his private time he wouldn't be but but yeah he was really he's really nice 
gracious to us, and uh, and we found out from some of the other cast members they were talking about ways to to find ways to reroute crowd traffic patterns, basically. So, what's new for you in the world of Disney? Oh, you're going to start with me? Yes. Uh, not much. Um, obviously, we're getting geared up for the December trip. Can't wait. We're uh, yeah, we're already we're, we've picked our Fast Pass Plus experience. It's been interesting because we haven't. As as time, it's interesting because as time goes on, we become less and less commandos. Mm-hmm. And you know, whereas a day in the parks meant we are there when they open and we do not leave until they close. <laughs> and now we've kind of gotten to the point where we recognize the value of a midday break. Uh, you know, we're happier and healthier that way, and we recognize the value of a little spontaneity in the schedule. Whereas we used to not leave any room for any. Uh, we still are pretty thoroughly, pretty tightly planned, but there, you know. There's something to be said about leaving a little bit of rooms for spontaneity, as long as you can find a plan to make sure you get done everything that you want to get done. So we got that going, and one of my birthday presents showed up this month, finally. So uh, when we were down in July, everywhere we went, I ran into that Mark Davis, Walt Disney's Renaissance man. Mm-hmm. And everywhere I went, I said, hey, I wouldn't mind getting that book. I said, but it's $40, and I don't want to pay $40 because Amazon's got it for 20 something well, the problem was the release date, the official street date on that book was not until October. I guess the park got a little advanced window on it because we saw it everywhere we went on the right. property in July. And so my birthday was September 20th, and that's one of the things my wife ordered for me. But I got pretty much a piece of paper that said, hey, when this comes out in October, you'll get it. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did. I got my book from Amazon when they finally released it. And uh, a gorgeous book. And I think you got it and some more stuff. Yes, I did. We went, uh, we just came off of a, of a stay. We uh, had our 20th wedding anniversary uh, recently. And so we went to stay at, uh, at Walt Disney World for a couple of nights. And we stayed over in Port Orleans Riverside mm. uh, just for a couple of nights. We tried the deluxe dining plan for our very first time. <laughs> oh, my God, that was awesome. I've never had more food in my entire I life. Say. I think I actually gained a significant amount of weight. I mean, it was just a two-night stay. And still, at the end of it, I'm like, oh, my God, I think I gained weight. Yeah. But it was fantastic. We went uh, for our anniversary dinner. We went to uh, Citrico's. It was our first time going there, and that was unbelievable. It was so nice. The food was delicious. And what was really cool was about midway through our meal, we realized that there was a table very close to us where there was a man who was um, intoxicated. You know, there's just really no other way to put it. He had had way too much to drink. It was just getting kind of loud and obnoxious. So we said something, and not nothing rude or anything, but we mentioned something to our our waitress about it, and she was like, "Oh, okay." And she went and she spoke to somebody, and the manager of the restaurant actually came over and talked to us. And I was like, and then I felt bad. I was like, oh, I wasn't trying to make a scene or anything. And he was like, "I tell you what, you know, you finish up what you're doing right now, and and when it comes time for dessert and everything, he goes, I, I have something special for you." So he goes, "Just, oh. just let you know, let our uh, your waitress know when when you're all done." So, you know, we finished up and everything. And by this point, the guy had gotten, like, really loud and obnoxious. And there was a lot of language. And so and I was just, it was kind of spoiling it for us, you know. So we kind of, you know, finished up what we were doing and, and, you know, told the waitress. We were like, well, you know, the, the manager said to let you know, you know, when we were done with the actual meal. You know, we're pretty much done. 
And she's like, okay, well, gather all your things. And then they took us and they put us in a, in a special seating area. And the fireworks were just starting. And it the was, heck you say? Oh, it was awesome. It was so nice. They brought us out uh, a special anniversary dessert and everything. It was really, really nice. I was, I, we were very touched. Uh, you know, they didn't have to do that for us, but they did. And it really made the, the evening just that much more special. So that was really, really cool. You know, that's something to really talk about, which is cast members, and you are one, go above and beyond and go out of their way to make sure guest experiences are special, unique, wonderful mm -hmm. experiences. And sometimes they go farther than you think they would go. Uh, you reminded me of my anniversary dinner last year, and we ate at uh, Hacienda de San Angel, mm -hmm. and we'd never been there before, and we just had a terrible experience. So I wrote them, I, I wrote them a, an email telling them how upset I was, and um, the general manager of the Mexico restaurants called me on my cell phone to apologize personally and invite me back. And when we went in December, oh, in July, uh, that was the first night, the dinner of the first night, we decided to have our makeup dinner at Hacienda, and we had our son with us this time, and I kind of thought I had warned them, but apparently not. They had a setup with a nice little table for two right by the window as a makeup. Uh, all of a sudden, we had three, so we, they put us at a different table, but they said at the end of our meal, well, we didn't realize you had three coming. We thought you had two. We had to give you a different table, but now we'd like to guide you over to this table by the window so the three of you can enjoy illuminations in our window. Wow. And you get free dessert. And, you know, they basically, they comped us, and I'm not trying to tell people how to get a free meal, because, I mean, this was, you know... We wouldn't have done this unless the situation had been really bad. Right. Um, but they comped us dinner. They gave us the best seats in the house. They gave us dessert. I mean, it was just a wonderful, wonderful night. And, again, they didn't have to go out of their way. They could have just said, oh, we're sorry, and that's it. But they didn't. Uh, they gave us better than we would have gotten the first time. We will We will have to do a an episode at some point just focusing on cast members yes guest service because I, I you know that to me is still what puts us head and shoulders above you know everyone else in this in the same industry i mean that's what really makes that disney difference in my mind is the cast members and the things that they do to go above and beyond for people and it was just you know the the whole trip for us top to bottom was wonderful as we were checking in to port orleans riverside we were standing, you know, waiting to be, you know, to be the next people up to the desk and everything. And as we're standing there, as I, as I want to do, I'm kind of scanning the lobby to see if I know anybody. Because, of course, what I teach at Disney is I teach front desk. Mm. So a lot of times when I go to the different resorts, I usually recognize people, that at least one person that's at the front desk, because I usually have trained at least somebody that's working yeah. that particular day. Last time I was there, I was checked in by one of your students. She was proud <laughs> to let me know that. That is so cool. Well, we were checking, you know, so we, we were waiting, and there was this, this pretty young girl at the, at the front desk, and I kept looking at her going, she looks really familiar, but I, I couldn't quite remember her name, and I, I wasn't sure if she was one of my students or not. And, of course, she was the one that, that called us up, so we go up there, and right away, she recognizes me. So sure. I'm like, okay, I guess I guess she was one of my students. And so you know, we were talking and just kind of catching up. And it had turned out that she must have been one of my very first students because she was saying, you know, yeah, you, know, you were one of my uh, facilitators, you know, when I started this about a year and a half ago. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that puts it right about the time I would have been starting then. And, you know, she's just going on and on about how great it was and how much she loves being at front desk and all the new roles that she's learned and all this great stuff. So it was really, really cool. 
And so then she starts asking, you know, so, you know, you know, what brings you here? What's going on? And we told her it was our anniversary. The next thing we know, you know, she was calling the back and she got us, you know, like the perfect, exactly what we were looking for as a room, which was great. You know, not upgrading or anything like that because we weren't looking for anything special, but it was just, it, it's all about location with all of the resorts, you know, with what you prefer as far as where you would like to be. And we had never stayed in the Magnolia Bend section, which is the kind of the antebellum uh, mansion-style houses that are over there. And we wanted to be over there just to try it out. And we would like to, you know, see the water, essentially, is what we said. Next thing we know, we're in the room looking out, and it's, it's like, perfect. It was right across the bridge from Old Man Island. And just, I mean, we couldn't have asked for anything better. And it was just so nice. You know, to be that that well taken care of and everything, but the whole trip was just fantastic. But what I really wanted to mention was uh, <laughs> the great swag that I got okay. uh, this time, because as it turned out, our our anniversary is like perfectly timed by dumb luck. You know, our anniversary is October twentieth. Well, like everything started October twentieth. This trip for us, our our uh, annual Christmas discount just happened to kick in on the twentieth, so it goes up a certain <laughs> percentage. And I'd been waiting all year for that discount to kick in. And also, 20th this year uh, just happened to be the day that um, went live for cast members to then be able to link their um, ID, their cast ID, into my Disney experience so that now we as cast members can also create... Uh, fast passes for ourselves and our guests Excellent. that we're bringing in. So it was great. We actually got to pick fast passes and use the whole fast pass thing for our first time, and it was really nice. But I just kind of wanted to mention real quick some of the things that I got, some of the swag I came away with, because uh, man, some really, really good stuff that I've been waiting on, and then uh, a couple of nice surprises as well. So like you mentioned, uh, I did get the Mark Davis book. I, I saw that when it came out in the parks, and I have just, I've been drooling over this thing for so long and wanting a copy of it, and I finally broke down and got it. And it's called Mark Davis, uh, Walt Disney's Renaissance Man, and uh, it just looks great. I can't wait to dig into this. What's funny is I'm going to say that about all these books. I can't wait to dig into this. You know, they've been sitting on my nightstand for a week now, and I haven't even taken the plastic off of any of them yet. That's how busy I've been, but... I really am looking forward to digging into them. Um, another one that I got that uh, I really have been wanting to get for uh, well a couple of years now because, um, well, I'll back up. This is, uh, it's called Dream It, Do It, uh, My Half yes. Century Creating Disney's Magical Kingdom, or Magic Marty, Kingdoms, this Marty is by Sklar's Marty Sklar. Yeah. yeah. Now, he was at Epcot's um, 30th anniversary celebration back in October of 19, or excuse me, yeah, I was going to say 1982. That was the wow. opening day. He was at uh, Epcot for the 30th back in 2012 and hawking the book way back then. But of course, it, it just came out here recently. So I'd heard about the book. I knew he was working on the book and he was talking it up and everything. So I've been anticipating it for quite a while. I wanted to buy it when it came out, but I thought, well, I'll wait. And I'm glad I did because I got a nice healthy discount on it. I would love to get it signed. I'm hoping he'll come back at some point and do signings because he was here. I'm trying to remember if it was this past spring or the spring. I'm trying to remember when did the book, you know, I haven't opened the book yet. I'm trying to remember when it came out. If it came out this year or last year. I think it came out I think out it this came year. out last was year. Was it last year? Okay. I have it. I've had it for a little while. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. In fact, I have it and it sat there on the shelf. For so long. No, it came out last August. I'm sorry. It came out okay. last August. So he was here this spring then. 
um, and he was doing some signings. I know he was at Downtown Disney. He was also over at what's that little bookstore off the streets of America? I just blanked on the name. It's like the, oh, writer's, the uh, writer's Stop. Writer's Stop. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was there for a day or two doing signings, and I missed him each time he was here. I was working on those days, so I didn't get to see him to get. Uh, you know, I wanted to buy the book and get it signed, but. I'm glad just to have finally got it because I'm really looking forward to reading that. Sure. And the one that I have most been wanting to get all this time, and I'm really glad that it didn't disappear uh, and I actually managed to get not only a pristine copy, but it's still in the plastic and everything. Because every t- copy I would see of this book, the dust jackets were all torn up on it. Mm. But this one's still sealed, is the uh, poster art of the Disney parks. <laughs> it's one of those giant oversized Imagineering books. Uh, $40 retail on this, but it's sweet. It's just, you know, it's just devoted to the great posters, you know, over the years for the different attractions in the Disney parks and just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. So, so nice. I just can't wait to dig into that because I love these things. Yeah. And as we were wandering about property and going to different places, we had breakfast one morning uh, on our last morning there at um, Kona Cafe. Oh, breakfast at, at Kona Cafe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Best breakfast on property. It was great. Yeah, it was really, really great. My wife got the, uh, she wanted, she's always been wanted to try the Tonga Toast. Neither one of us had ever tried it. And she wanted to try that. So she got that and just absolutely loved it. Yeah. And I was thinking about it, but then they had a special running, um, you know, at the time, it was, it's just something that they were trying out, I guess. And it was a, uh, a pumpkin spice, um, it was pumpkin spice, I can't remember what the other flavor was, but it was it was pancakes. And I thought, man, you know, I'm a sucker for the pumpkin spice. All right, I'll go ahead and I'll try that. And then I, as soon as I ordered it, I'm like, you know, I could go to like IHOP or something and probably get this. Why did I order this? Why didn't I order the signature thing, right? But then it came. And it was like, you know, like a foot thick of pancakes. It was, it was, they were as big as your head. It was, Oh, my God, it was great. I mean, it was so, so good. You know, just light, fluffy pancakes. I'm making myself hungry just talking about it. But it was really, really awesome. But when we were done with that and we were wandering around, we went into different uh, gift shops there at the Polynesian. I just happened to stumble across something that I can't believe I st- I'm holding it in my hand and I still can't believe this exists it is attraction poster art from Walt Disney World it's uh, 12 posters they are 12 by 18 it's uh, it's sealed in it's in its own little plastic sleeve and everything and you get the original attraction posters for the Walt Disney World Railroad Small World Space Mountain Sunshine Tree Terrace which of course this is the um uh, the Tiki Room. It has the orange bird on it. Uh, Tropical Serenade, uh, Country Bear Jamboree, Pirates of the Caribbean, the monorail poster, which ah. driving out of the contemporary, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, The Haunted Mansion, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and Snow White's Adventures. This, of course, is the one that would eventually become Snow White's Scary Adventures, but it's not called that here. It's just called Snow White's Adventures. All 12 of these posters, 12 by 18 size, 1995 for 12 beautiful prints of original Walt Disney World posters. I was, I'm blown. I can't, you know, everybody always complains about how expensive things are. This is a souvenir worth owning right here for a mere 20 bucks. I can't wait to get frames for these because my wife, you know, I bought it and the first thing my wife said was, yeah, that's great. Where are you going to put them? 
And I'm like, I'm going to put him in my comic room. And she's like, yeah, you've got every inch of space covered in that room. I'm like, yeah, well, some stuff's going to come down because these, these babies are going up. You know, so uh, Spider-Man and Cap and Superman might just have to take a back seat for a while to some, uh, some nice attraction posters because I love these things. And that's okay. And we went to... Uh, now, I had no idea that you held this place in such high regard. I, I really was tickled by the uh, the little post that you put on Facebook. My wife, you know, she booked everything. You know, she booked the trip. She booked the restaurants and everything. So there was one thing that she held in reserve, which was our lunch that we had on our last day there. We went to Magic Kingdom on our last day. And she booked a special lunch. I had no idea that she had booked it. I didn't know where we were going and everything. And she surprised me with it. And when she told me that we had this secret reservation and everything, but that she wouldn't tell me what it was, already in my mind, wheels are turning. I'm thinking, what could it be? What could it be? What could it be? And at one point she said, you know what it is, don't you? And I'm like, no, I have no idea. And she goes, well, what would you want it to be? And then, you know, that's a very dangerous question. You know, that's like the, you know, does these pants make my butt look big question? You know, it's like, what do I say to this, you know? So I'm like, no, you know, whatever you booked is fine. But in my mind, what I'm thinking is I would love to go to Liberty Tree Tavern. You know, that's that's what I had hoped it was, but I didn't want to say that in case it was something else. But sure enough, it was Liberty Tree Tavern and it was fantastic. And we had been there one other time and I just fell in love with the place. I've been wanting to go back you know, ever since we went the first time and they seated us in the Jefferson room and it was just fantastic. The meal was great and everything. And the last time we were there they had had these mugs you know it's it's like a it's like a clear plastic like a beer stein no and last time you were there they did not have those mugs no <laughs> i'll tell you the story when you're done oh, okay well i know that they had a mug there that we that we had wanted the last time we were there and for whatever reason we didn't get it but this time um they had the the i'd say i thought it was the same mug maybe i guess it must be different but anyway nope. the, the mug that we had this time i'm looking at it i'm going Man, i really want one of these mugs and she's like well ask the ask the girl about you know about getting the mug so you know when our waitress came back i asked her i said you know you guys sell these mugs? She's like, oh yeah we sure do and i'm thinking again i'm thinking you know it's going to be you know 20 30 bucks or something i was like you know how, how much would it be i'm thinking you know i won't get it she's like, yeah five bucks five dollars mm-hmm. So I got the actual Liberty Tree Tavern mug. It's, uh, like I said, it's just a clear plastic, like a beer stein, but it has this great logo on, on both sides of it, uh, where on the one side, it's the classic Spirit of 76 with Mickey, Goofy, and Donald playing the part of the, uh, of the Minutemen, and it says Liberty Tree Tavern underneath it. And then on the flip side, you have, like, the seal of the Liberty Tree Tavern. And uh, I just, I love this. It's a great little souvenir. As you can hear, probably hear me crinkling it around. It still has the plastic on it. I haven't even taken the plastic off of it yet. But So tell me the, tell me the mug story, because I thought, I could have sworn this was the mug we had the last time we were there. The mug you got is not the mug they used to have. I'd say a little over a year ago, they changed the mugs. Now, I'm surprised you don't know what kind of a Liberty Tree Tavern nut I am, because it is, I very much wear my Liberty Tree-ness on my sleeve. <laughs> uh, we first went to Liberty Tree shortly after we got married, and here's the thing. I love Colonial America, big student of the Founding Fathers. There's a lot of history in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then you also have to consider the fact that I don't eat vegetables. And the menu for dinner, and I know you had lunch there, and the lunch is fantastic, but the menu for dinner is, it's an all-you-care-to-eat dinner, 
and they bring you a plate full of roast beef, roast pork, roast turkey, big bowl of mashed potatoes, gravy boat. They bring vegetables. I don't really know much about that. And then they bring a thing of macaroni and cheese out. This is this is the most blissful meal I could ever have on the planet. <laughs> it's like a big Thanksgiving dinner or just like a big dinner for me. And uh, so I, I love that place and always have. We, the first time we went there, and I'm thinking it may have been on our honeymoon, they were selling Sundays with dinner. You could get a Sunday in the mug. And then for a little bit extra, you could get the mug. And then, of course, it's just kind of gone on over time that, you know, the mugs served with everything. And oh, so anyway, we loved that mug so much when we had that Sunday the first time that we, we asked the same thing you did. Well, how can we get it? And I think it was five bucks then. This is, you know, almost 20 years ago. So we made that a tradition and they became different ways. They got rid of that Sunday and there were different ways. Actually, now you paid five bucks for the mug. If you'd bought Patriot Punch for eight bucks, you'd have gotten the mug. Oh, wow. And for three extra bucks, that Patriot Punch is unbelievable. Hmm. I don't it even is remember a, seeing that on the on the menu. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's especially at lunch. It's a mixture of uh, an orange sherbet, Sprite, and lemonade concentrate. Oh, that sounds good. And it is amazing. Absolutely amazing. But um, the mugs used to be glass. Heavy glass mugs. Yeah, see, I thought that before. I thought that it had been a glass mug before. Mm-hmm. And then in the last year... We and so every time we go by, we every time we eat there, we have we get a mug. We've got ten glass mugs. Because <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I kind of like to go to Liberty Tree. And so when we were there in December, we just decided to pop in, and it was too busy for us to go to lunch. And I said, "Well, can we just get a mug anyway?" And they said, "Oh, we don't have any mugs. We're switching over to plastic mugs." And I said, "What?" So they were in the process of switching over then, and they are now all plastic mugs. So we have ten glass mugs. And in July, of course, we went again, so we have one plastic mug. Mostly the same design. Well, having only ever been there that one time, I, I, I guess I didn't really notice the difference. Other than the fact that I thought it had been glass before, mm -hmm. but wasn't sure if that was just, you know, my memory is not something to rely on most times, <laughs> so... <laughs> the the uh, I think the plastic mugs have a little more capacity. They actually hold more. But the, I think the decals on them are a little smaller. But it's basically the same decals. Now, right now, the design is they have the Liberty Tree Tavern on the front, logo on the front. And then on the back, they have a logo of the big three, mm -hmm. kind of as Patriots. Right. We have one. The very first one we bought has the Liberty Tree logo on the front. But on the back is the newer Walt Disney World logo. And that's it. You know, the one that has the Walt Disney signature and then the written world Right, yeah. Right after they ditched the the kind of neon tubing one. Right. The classic now, one. Let me let me ask, are you are you left-handed? I am I am sort of left-handed. I am in 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 large part left-handed, yes. Okay. <laughs> the only reason I ask that is that to me the the front would be the classic 3, you know, the the Spirit of 76 with Mickey uh Donald and Goofy and the back would be the Liberty Tree. So it's funny that you say the Liberty Tree is on the front of the mug because mm. it would be if you're left-handed. <laughs> yeah, I do I eat left-handed, yes. Okay. I eat left-handed, I write left-handed, but I do a lot of other I play sports right-handed and guitar right-handed and I'm just I'm a mess. <laughs> yes, I'm not ambidextrous cuz I can't do anything with one hand that I can do with the other. <laughs> That's funny. I write left, I can't write right. That's funny. Now let me ask you, you know, that's 
the thing with this show is, uh, and I, I wish we had, between the two of us, I wish we had the time to do more than a monthly schedule because we're going to come up with so many great ideas for shows <laughs> that some of these ideas we probably won't get to for like years. But yeah. one idea that I've had that I would love to do a, a whole show or at least a segment on sometime is like those obscure references in the park, particularly like the obscure Disney films. Uh, that do manage to get referenced, you know, somehow or other in the in the parks. Now, one of the things I really like about about Liberty Square in general, but especially Liberty Tree Tavern specifically, is uh, you know that area heavily references an old Disney film called Johnny Tremaine. Have you ever seen that movie? Mm, yeah. And a long I, time ago. Yeah. See, I really like that. I really like that, that that movie is so heavily... Oh, of course, Johnny Tremaine, anyway, references, you know, the, the real events of, you know, the Sons of Liberty and the Liberty Tree and all of that, so... But still, I just think that that is really cool. But yeah, I love that restaurant. Absolutely love yeah. that restaurant. It is, it is, to me, the greatest restaurant in the world. I would, if I had any choice to eat at any restaurant, any, anywhere, ever, it's that restaurant every single time. <laughs> That's cool. See, I had no idea. I had no idea oh, yeah. uh, how you felt about it. But uh, I remember when I posted something or other, I don't know if it was a picture or maybe just, you know, plugging that I was there eating. You, you piped up to say, you know, best restaurant ever, I think is what you said. And I just thought that that was really funny because I, I do. I love that place. Yeah. Although it's funny you were in the Jefferson room. We, we got into a groove where about four or five times in a row they put us in the Jefferson room and I was getting frustrated. <laughs> because if, what people may not know about Liberty Tree is each room is named after someone who was important to the founding of the nation. Correct. And thus the decor of the room is related to that person. Right. So they have a Paul Revere room, and it's got, because he was a silversmith, and it's got silver things in there. And, you know, uh, George Washington's room, which we ate in in July, has some architectural stuff because he was big into architecture and the books. You know, again, with Disney, as you know, nothing is an accident. Right. And so everything that is there is there deliberately. Ben Franklin's room has a printing press. The first time we ate there, we were in Fra We were either in Franklin's or I could. We were like facing Frank because I remember seeing his portrait on the wall. Is mm -hmm. kind of my lasting memory of that first trip. So we were either in that room or we were in the room that like faces into that room. Yeah. I can't remember, but really liked that. But yeah. my my goal is that each time we we eat there to be in a different room, and the next time I definitely want to be in the Revere room. I would have I would have requested that one, mm -hmm. except. I had always expected that room to kind of be the noisiest one because it's right there attached to the main lobby, it's, so I thought it would be kind yeah. of boisterous and everything. But then after we ate, I asked, you know, can we just kind of wander the, the restaurant and just kind of, and go, oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm never sure if that thing's, you know, yeah, that sort of thing is encouraged, you know, but because they were busy and I didn't want to, you know, you don't want to be that guy, you know what yeah. I mean? And people are trying to eat and you're trying to, you know, can you move your head so I can get a picture kind of thing? <laughs> You know, so I didn't want to be like that, but you know, to me, eating there is such a it's 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 a special occasion because we just don't get, yeah. you know get to eat like that very often. So I really wanted to take advantage of you know being there, and that's one of the few places on property where 
you can't just duck in, get a couple of pictures, and then leave. You know, if you're if you don't have a specific reservation there, then you know they politely ask you to kind of beat feet. You know, so yeah, you know, Absolutely. we were actually there and eating there, so I wanted to take advantage of it and wander and get pictures and things. But that Paul Revere room, really, I'm impressed. I mean, I'm impressed with the entire place, but that's the room I most want to eat at. You know, when we go for for subsequent trips there, so. Mm. You know, it's funny, too, because sometimes you have to school them on the history of their own restaurant. And, uh, when we were there in July, they asked us what we wanted to drink, and my son said, a sweet tea. She goes, oh, no, we don't have sweet tea. We've never had sweet tea. And I went, wait, hold on. Because uh, in the mid to late 90s, you were one of two places on the property that had sweet tea. So I know you, you did have it, but you don't have it now. Well, you know, back on that subject of, of you know, really great cast members, there was a cast member that I think he was, he must have been just the seater because I never saw him actually serve anybody. I just saw him, he, he would take people and he would seat them, but then he would give them the history of the room. And oh, I, I observed him do that. I can't remember what room it was, but I, I was trying to hear and it was just enough noise to where I caught like every third word, but I could tell that he really, he either really knew his history or he really knew the spiel, one of the two. But one way or the other, it was seamless and it was really excellent. And when he did that with that couple, this was before we were seated, I, I was hoping that we would get him to be our seater, and sure enough, we did. So when we were seated, he brought us into the room, and he seated us in the, in the Jefferson room and just gave us a great uh, little history lesson about Jefferson, about the room, and you know, just uh. history related to that period of time. And it was fantastic. And he had an unusual name in that it was his first name was Scott, but it was it was like Scott John or Scott Paul or something like it was weird because I've never seen Scott you you know it's it, you know like something like Mary Beth is a common you know two two name first name you know yeah but this one was with Scott and I'd never seen that before but I'm trying to remember what it was it was like Scott John or Scott Paul something like that but a uh, great cast member I mean guy really knew his stuff and uh, just made it you know come alive. And uh, and I love that sort of. I love it when cast members are really into the the role that they're that they're doing that they're performing, and you could tell that he was really into uh, working there at Liberty Tree and really into the history and, and the role that he was in, and, and that was just fantastic. It really, again, just helped add to the experience that much more. And as you, the listener, can tell, we're leaning strongly towards cast member magic being next month's episode. <laughs> <laughs> One last quick thing, because you know, man, I, I did not intend to bogart so much of the uh, the time we have uh, with, good. with this bragathon here at the beginning. But one other quick thing, I really do want to brag about. This has nothing to do with anything. It's just something I just happened to acquire. We have this great bookstore not far from us in Longwood, Florida, that I don't get to go to very often. I, I go there, you know, every couple of months just to kind of duck in, see what new things they may have, and they do have a very small travel section. And in that travel section, they frequently get books about Walt Disney World. Now, this is a used bookstore. It's this mammoth place that, you know, you never know what you're going to find when you go in there. It's just one of those great old used bookstores where people just trade in old books. And I went there uh, a couple of weeks back, and they had this one book. And I remember seeing it and thinking, <laughs> well, I don't have it. It's kind of unusual. It's kind of expensive. I don't think so. And I passed on it. And then later on did my homework on it and found out, ooh, this book's kind of rare. I better go back and snag it because that's actually not a bad price at all. So I went back and I traded in a whole bunch of books and I ended up getting it for, 
with the trade-in and everything, I probably paid about maybe 10 bucks total for it. It's uh, this book called Gardens of the Walt Disney World Resort. Oh. Now, I know nothing about plants, okay? I don't know a weed from a flower from nothing, but this book is just fantastic. They were sure. asking 20 bucks for it, and like I say, with the trade-in, I got it about half price. It's from 1988, and it's just one of these huge, oversized coffee table books with just the prettiest pictures of the, you know, plants and, and flora and such of Walt Disney World. It's just, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous coffee table book, and I, I'm really glad that I decided to go back and pick it up, because I just thought, you know, yeah, it's Disney, but do I really need it? But now flipping, you know, just sitting here flipping through it, I'm like, oh my god, does this have some of the best pictures I've ever seen of the property, so I'm really glad that I picked it up. Just a, a really fun book, but... That was that's it for the for the bragathon, but uh, I do want to recommend you know the different things that I've mentioned, especially that uh, that thing with the posters. Man, if you see that around when you're at Walt Disney World, snag that thing because what a great uh, and inexpensive uh, keepsake. And if you're into that, let me also recommend because there's something fairly newish down there called the Co-op that they took the old yes. uh, Mickey's Athletic Club and turned it into yes. uh, a series of different little kiosk type stores. And the co-op has one of the uh, one of the rooms of the co-op is nothing but vintage Disney World style home products, mm-hmm. plates, glasses with all of those vintage posters, vintage look, uh, just really a bunch of amazing stuff. So if you like the old school Disney stuff and you want to start doing your house up like it, head on over to the co-op. Some of that stuff is starting to trickle into the parks, too, because when we were in the um, the Main Street Bakery recently, you know, where you can get the candy and everything, watch the candy being made, well, as you would go into the store and then head to the right, just before it crosses over and becomes the chapeau, they have this entire uh, wall space. You know, if it was a like a retail store, you'd call it a, an end cap. Mm-hmm. And that entire display was all the uh, like vintage glasses and mugs and plates and all of that you, that you would find at that co-op store. So I, I was, I thought that that was neat that some of that stuff's actually starting to make the transition into the parks as well. But really yes. great stuff. It really is, and the and the one of the co-op stores that it that has that stuff is called Disney Centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And it's just a great, great place. And of course, you have to navigate through a bunch of walls right now, but uh, you'll get there and you'll enjoy it. Well, you know, something uh, I had failed to mention uh, last time when we spoke, you know, we had our uh, Walt Disney World for the Marvel Comics Geek segment uh, on the last episode. In that co-op store, uh, there's an electronic section there that I couldn't tell you the name of. but you D-Tech. Get, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. D-Tech. They had a bunch of uh, where you could customize your own iPhone cases and things like that. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of, there are these little, they almost look like Vinylmation figures. And they're speakers, where you plug in your iPod, and you can play it through the speakers. And they had a bunch of Marvel ones there. They had Cap, uh, the Hulk, Iron Man, I forget who else. And they even had a set of Guardians of the Galaxy headphones. Mm -hmm. So again, there's other places that you could find. You know, I... As I was sure was going to happen, I ended up thinking of much more Marvel stuff that's uh, that's there at Walt Disney World than we mentioned in the show. I even forgot my own resort. I work at Pop Century Resort and forgot that Pop Century has Marvel uh, comic stuff in there, too. Now, not in any of the window boxes, 
but in the rooms, you know, each one of the rooms in the, in the different decades has a poster as the artwork in the room that depicts memorabilia from that particular decade. In the 80s and 90s section, some of the uh, memorabilia things that are shown are Marvel Comics adaptations of different Disney properties. I know that there's uh, oh, wow. like uh, uh, Rescue Rangers and I want to say, let me think, The Three Musketeers. There's, I'm going off the top of my head, but there's several of them in there. So there's more Marvel Comics right there. I, I felt really foolish when I thought of that later. I'm like, why didn't I even mention my own resort? But I just <laughs> didn't think of it. I, I like doing this kind of thing off the top of my head. That makes it more fun, I think. Yep, absolutely. So that uh, that was a very long opener. So uh, <laughs> we're going to get straight into our tri-circle for this time around, which was... Now, you actually uh, you pitched the idea on this, which uh, was... How, how did you describe it? This was attraction... Songs, yeah, songs featured in attractions. The, the top three songs featured in attractions. Now, you pitched it to me that way. Song. Yeah. And then I came up with the idea of, well, did you mean themes or do you mean... So I, I actually created kind of a split. You know, I was like, well, did you mean themes or did you mean songs? Yeah. Because I see them as very different. No, songs have songs have words. You sing songs. Right. So we, that's what we decided on was to go with songs. And then when we did that, I realized, ooh, did I shoot myself in the foot? Because <laughs> <laughs> then once I did that, I'm like, hmm, I had a really tough time coming up with this list. If it had been themes then uh, you know I, i've got that one so this one was a bit of a challenge for me but uh but it's it was still fun so i, I like that we mentioned to each other just before we got started with the recording that uh, each of us kind of cheated on this list a little bit so i'm curious yeah. what your cheat is as compared to mine but uh why don't you go ahead and, and run with your list on this one Okay, uh, I'm going to put number three on the list, and the be- only reason I put it number three is because I don't like duplicating you, and I'm sure you'll have it number one, is Grim Grinning Ghosts. Well, the crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake. Happy haunts materialize. And begin to vocalize. Grim Grinning Ghosts come out to socialize. You can't not love the Haunted Mansion and not love Grim Grinning Ghosts. So I put that on number three on the list. Number two... There's a great big beautiful tomorrow. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow and tomorrow is just a dream away. Yes. That song not only is it everything that Carousel of Progress is about, it is everything that Walt Disney is about. Yes. Uh, to me it is just the all-time great attraction song. And here, it featured one. in more than one attraction, too. That's what I like about it. Ooh, was it on Horizons? It was in Horizons. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day And it has been in... Uh, I don't know if it's been in our Interventions here at Walt Disney World, but I know it has been featured in the Interventions in, uh, in Disneyland as well. And it should be. And then number one is my cheat because it's a song that wasn't written for the attraction, but it's so, I I just remember, I remember that first big trip back to Disney in 93 that really got me permanently hooked, just sitting outside and listening to this, the audio loop of the song playing throughout. Uh, It is one of my favorite attractions ever, and the song is obviously played throughout the entire attraction. Again, it's played on a loop outside the entire attraction, 
and that is you can fly, you can fly, you can fly. Uh, yes. Come on, everybody. Here we go. <laughs> Off to Neverland. <laughs> Yeah, it it is a sing song. It's got lyrics, and uh, but and I know it wasn't written for the attraction, but by golly, it is. Again, Peter Pan to me is so much of what Disney and Disney World is about, mm-hmm. and uh, that song is just gorgeous. And the recording that they use for the attraction is just. Fantastic. I love it. Well, I'm going to totally let you get away with that because I did much the same thing for my number three. My number three was not written for this attraction. Uh, Actually, it has been used uh, in multiple attractions. Um, The one that it came to mind for me for was, of course, uh, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is where you can currently hear it being used. But it was previously used in uh, Snow White's Scary Adventures it made an appearance in the prior incarnation of Spaceship Earth, which we'll be talking about a little bit later today. Mm-hmm. And there was another attraction that has totally gone out of my head where it used to be featured as well. And I, I blank, but maybe I'll think of it. Uh, and that would be the Dwarf's Yodel Song, also known, known as the Silly Song. I love that piece of music. I absolutely adore that song. And hearing that, riding the mine train at the end, just, just it just makes my day. It's just one of those little magical touches that just brings a smile to my face. I hear that song, and it, you know, I love that, the, that it's called the silly song because it is. It makes me feel like a silly fool. Just, I, it just gives me the biggest goofy grin on my face. I love that song. Um, so that's my number three. Um, number two, this one may be a bit controversial, but I swear I truly do love this song. I adore it. I think the lyrics uh, are, are perfect. I love to hear uh, you know one, one half of the team, uh, Richard Sherman. I love to hear him sing this song, and that's "It's a Small World." It's a world of laughter, a world of tears. It's a world of hopes. And a world of fears There's so much that we share That it's time we're aware It's a small world after all I know that some people, my wife is a great example, some people just can't stand this song. Mm. I think it's because of the way that it gets into your head. But Sure, but that's, it, what, that's what's so classic about right, it. Right, exactly. That's what it's supposed to do. The thing that, that, that really amazes me with It's a Small World is that I knew every lyric of that song you know, well before coming to Walt Disney World. Although, you know, of course, as I say, I, I had been here one time as a kid, but I'd, I'd pretty much forgotten that trip by the time I came back as an adult. So that just amazes me that here's a song that 
Well, of course, it wasn't written specifically for the theme parks. It was written for, you know, this attraction that, that debuted at uh, the World's Fair back in uh, 1964. But still... Sure, Mary Blair. Ha- ...has become, you know, a, a quintessential rite of passage Disney Parks ride. And that's pretty much what it exists as. Yet yeah, all over the world, people know this song. They may not have any idea where it's from, what it was written for, or anything, but they know the song. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's just amazing. Well, if it's any consolation, that one almost made my list, but I bumped it. So, I mean, it's <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you at all. That was almost on my list. But I, I really do like that song. Um, you know, often when I'm teaching in my classes... We do a, a short segment in one of the classes about what to, what to do if you get a guest that doesn't speak your language and you don't speak theirs. So, you know, you have a guest that walks up and say they speak, I don't know, Japanese, for example. Now, I don't speak a word of Japanese. and I don't understand Japanese spoken to me. What can I do? And I always point to the small world song. And I said, okay, guys, and I like to make little jokes in my class. I said, okay, guys, I know this is super corny, but bear with me here. How many of you have written a small world? And usually all the hands go up. Have you ever really listened to the lyrics of that song? There's a great line in that song that says, A smile means friendship to everyone. So, if you get somebody that doesn't speak your language, the number one best thing that you can do, smile. Because it really does mean, for, you know, people will see you smile and think, Hey, this guy's alright, I can deal with this person. I may not understand him, and he may not understand me, but we can work through this because, you know, they're smiling, they're welcoming. I like that sort of thing. I'm, you know, I'm a cornball for Disney, and that's, you know, that's just one of those great cornball moments. There are certain primitive cultures, however, when you do smile, they think you're baring your teeth and you're going to attack. <laughs> be careful. Well, you know, depending on the day I might be having. <laughs> um, number one, is, you know, if you know me at all, number one should be a no-brainer. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow And tomorrow's just a dream away I absolutely love that song. It is my absolute favorite song, and that that's outside of you know Disney and everything. That's just that is my favorite song. It, as you say, it sums up Walt Disney World. I think it sums up Walt Disney. I like to think that it sums up me. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I like to try to be an optimistic person, and I like what that song has to say. And, and essentially, you know, it's everything I was saying before about when I discovered Walt Disney World and, and what it came to mean to me, and, and when I understood what I thought Walt was going for was that idea that the future's uh, going to be a great place, and that's essentially what that song says. You know, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow, you know, shining at the end of every day. I, I love that. I think it's great, and. Uh, I mean, it's so prevalent. Uh, of course, you know, it spins out of the Carousel of Progress, but, you know, uh, the Carousel of Progress had a, a sort of a sister attraction, which was Horizons over in Epcot, uh, you know, sadly gone now, but, uh, you know, that was uh, heavily used in that attraction. And there are a number of different places you can go, um, you know, on uh, Walt Disney World property and still hear the song. I know that. Uh, I haven't been. I haven't sat through it in a while. But the last uh, time I sat through the um, the film over at Walt One Man's Dream in Disney's Hollywood Studios, they have a great pre-show music loop 
and Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow was in there as well. And I know there's other places I'm blanking on at the top of my head, but uh, I absolutely love that song. There was an album I downloaded not long ago that I suspect it was something that somebody just put together, but it's basically every different iteration of that song. And you'd be amazed how many different iterations of that song there are because there's you know, there's the the jazzy one that they use in the attraction. There's the one that's in the pre-show. There, you know, there's just all these different iterations of the same tune. And uh, of course, on the soundtrack to um, uh, Meet the Robinsons, they might be giants to uh, do a track that's very reminiscent of the uh, of the original uh, version from the, the '64 World's Fair. But uh, yeah, so it's been you know. It's been done a lot of different ways by a lot of different, uh, lot of different performers, but yeah, I absolutely love that song. So, try circle for next time. What do you think? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did we? Did we in the past? Did we? Did we pre-promote the next one? I don't think we did. Oh, I'm not sure if we. Well, no, you're right. I don't think we did. Yeah, let's we just could, cut we, that part out. We could flip the coin and we could do themes next time if you want. Okay. So do theme. We'll do theme songs uh, for for attractions next. And we're time. talking instrumental theme songs. Yes. Now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Because I think there's a difference. I, I definitely oh, yeah. think there's a difference. Oh, I wanted to address one of yours too. That you thought for sure that uh, that grim grinning ghost was going to make my list. Absolutely, I did. I I wanted to put it on there, but here's the thing. I'm I love the way that that piece of music is played constantly through the Haunted Mansion in many different forms and and tempos and on different instruments and everything. But when you actually get to the graveyard scene where it's playing, you know, I'm saying this in air quotes, the show proper, or, you know, the song proper with the lyrics and everything, I'm not as crazy about that. I like like it as the instrumental that you hear in, in the different iterations, you know, before you get to the graveyard. Now, I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying it's... I couldn't put it on my top three because I actually like it better as like, I'd say probably my favorite version of it is, um, you know, when it's, uh, when it's played right in the beginning, Mm. uh, when you're first on the organ. Yeah. On the organ. I I love that. That, Of, of the different iterations of grim, grim, yeah, I can't even say it. Grim grinning (laughs) ghost. That's my favorite one is, is on the organ at the beginning. Love that. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, I like the other one, the one that they play, uh, like for the Halloween party too, where it's uh, where it's almost like like the wind whistling through the trees is playing the tune. I love that one too. Yeah. All right. So this next section, I'm going to say this next one is yours because you uh, you oh, proposed yeah. it and you kind of kicked my butt with this one a little bit. So <laughs> Did I really? Well. Here's the thing. Well, you, you, I'll tell you what. You go ahead and you announce what it is first, and then I'll tell you why I had such such a hard time with it. Okay, because we always try to focus on Walt Disney World for different types of geeks. And right. this week I thought we could do Disney World for the role-playing game geek, the okay. RPG geek. So here's why this kicked my butt. Two, two big reasons. For one, I'm not sure exactly. I, I, you know, I don't necessarily do role-playing games myself, so I wasn't sure exactly what constituted a role-playing game versus say like a collectible card game versus just dressing up in costume and and pretending to play a part Mm. that was half of it the other half of it is you know you you gotta just bear with me on this one and, and decide for yourself if this is a bit of a stretch or not but essentially isn't role-playing kind of what walt disney world theme parks are all about anyway 
I mean, so many of the rides and attractions that you go on put you in the role. Uh, say, for example, um, Mission Space. You're an astronaut headed to Mars. Or in Star Tours, you're a tourist on a trip to, you know, uh, sure. another place. So isn't that kind of already role-playing? It is to an extent, but in most of those cases, even with Mission Space, you're not really acting. You're acting. You're being acted upon. I gotcha. Okay. And I guess that would be my distinction there. And, and yeah, in Mission Space, they tell you press this button now. But if you don't press that button, nothing's going to happen. Right. It's not. You know. Well, you it's know, not going to alter the ride. It's funny you say that because I was reading something recently. I can't remember where in the world I saw this, but I've been meaning to go back and try it. Apparently, if you flip. It's either enough of the switches or all of the switches at once. There's actually a message from Gary Sinise that kind of scolds you like, hey, knock it off or something like that. <laughs> I'm curious if that's really true. I suspect that that's one of those legends that's not really true, but I kind of want to put it to the test and see. If anybody knows, write in and let us know. It won't be me. <laughs> I gave up writing Mission Space. Well, see, that's the funny thing is, I you know, we're getting us off topic here. I actually don't ride Mission Space for the first several years that it existed. Um, I didn't ride it, and the reason I didn't ride it is because they tore down Horizons to build it. Oh, so you were protesting? Yeah, well, kind of, yeah, and then after a while, I was kind of like, all right, well, that's kind of silly. So I, I finally did, uh, because my kids wanted to ride it, I finally gave in and rode it, and, uh, and it, you know, it's all right. It's not my favorite, but uh, I, I respect the the effort that went into making the attraction, let me put it that way. And I, I But I have not uh, ridden the, um, the intense version either. I have to ride the worst version when I ride. Yeah, well, the first time I wrote it, I wrote the intense version. I went, all right, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to do this anymore. Did you hurl? I've experienced it. Um, I didn't. But see, the thing is, I don't. I mean, that's just, that's something that, you know, I, I'm like Jerry Seinfeld. I can tell you the, the years and dates that I did that because I just don't do it. Uh, but I didn't feel well. I'll tell you that. I had to sit for a long time before so, I did anything else. That's my thing. Is I'm, I'm not so much worried about being sick or anything. I, I'm worried about blacking out. Because I tell you, as I get older, that blast off of rock and roller coaster gets me closer and closer to graying out every time. Wow. I mean, the last time I rode it, I was like, I was like the. And you, have you ever had that experience where like the edges of your vision start to close in and you can kind of feel yourself like, ooh, I'm about to black out? Yeah. I get yeah. that now when I ride that. And uh, once I'm past that, I absolutely love that ride. But, man, that that for, that acceleration, you know, that zero to, what is it, zero to 60 in like 1.5 seconds or something like that? A couple seconds, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's I, I'm feeling it more and more the older I get, you know. I understand that. But I love it. Uh, there's certain things, though, that you can do if you're a role-playing gamer. Or a, and I put collectible card gamers in there as well because okay. I think they're very interrelated fields. A lot of the people that I've known who are big into collectible card games were the guys who were big into role-playing games before that. Mm -hmm. um, there are two games that are very similar. One is Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, yes, which is a collectible card game. Have you done this? Yes. How is A it? number of times. It is a blast. It is a lot of fun. We did it early on, and they didn't have it tweaked as much as they do now. But uh, you, you go and you you report to the the headquarters, and there are several different headquarters around the Magic Kingdom, and they give you a master card basically, and then a card pack which has different abilities, different things you can do with them, and now, you can collect the cards. Now, where are they besides the Main Street Fire Station? Because I thought that was the only one. No, you can also go right behind, oddly enough, the Liberty Tree Tavern. Oh, in okay. Liberty Square, you can also get set up for Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. I did not know that. Okay. Yep. And um, 
they'll get you set up and you go with your pack of cards and again you can collect cards and there are people who do mm-hmm. and you get one you can get one pack of cards a day per day per person so you know if you've got three people in your party even if only one of you is playing everybody come over there and take your ticket and get your pack of cards and there are different little areas hidden in the magic kingdom that are portals to playing sorcerers of the magic kingdom and they send you on a mission and you go to different locations and you have to defeat different foes and again if you didn't know anything about the game you would never know these portals were there and then they just suddenly parts of the park come to life just for these people and they are able to compete in this game and it's it's terrific it's a lot of fun it is neat for people who like to collect things because they get a free pack of cards every single day uh and you know it it it's just a fascinating little role-playing exercise where you get to take part in saving the Magic Kingdom. Really I, neat. I want to focus in on a word that you used a couple of times, free. Yes. You, know, you don't hear that word very often when you come to Walt Disney World. So nope. right there, you know, it's a free collectible. So, yeah, I have uh, – that's as much as I've taken advantage of it is uh, I, I did pick up a, a pack of cards for, uh, for my youngest son once. Because uh, he had expressed an interest in playing the game. To this day, we still have not, but we we keep talking about it. We just need to actually, you know, make some time and actually go do it because it does look like a lot of fun. It is. We've done it with my son. Uh, it was interesting though because it was kind of us, my son, and a bunch of old people in line. So <laughs> you know, everybody gets involved in this thing. Everybody and some of the adults, unfortunately, as is the case with anything collectible, some of the adults get really hyper competitive about what they're collecting and that kind of thing. Right. But uh, but it is it's a blast and it is a blast for anybody any age. There's a very similar game that's uh, the Pirates Adventure, right? In in, uh, in Adventureland, Treasure of the Seven Seas. And it takes you all over the place, and again, you have several different maps, several different routes, and there are some wonderfully animated sections of the park that you would never know were animated unless you were playing the Pirate Adventure there. Now, Sources of the Magic Kingdom takes you all over the Magic Kingdom, just about. Uh, this pirate adventure is located specifically in Adventureland, but it is a lot of fun, and there are several different adventures you can go on. And you just go to the little—it's basically, I think it's where they used to have the uh, the Kodak place. Mm-hmm. And obviously, nobody needs a Kodak place anymore. <laughs> so, uh, they, yeah, no. They and they so they converted that into the uh, kind of the starting area, and you go down there and you get your map and you follow the adventure on the course of the map. And it's there are several different ones. So once you've done it, go back and get another one. Because they're a lot of fun. And the great thing about it is you don't have to... Again, it's free. You are involved. You're an active participant. As much as I love Pirates of the Caribbean, you do sit in a boat and watch it happen around you. Uh, In this, you make things happen. And the other part is, again, it's free. No lines, and it's free. Let's see. When you go to Epcot, they have another role-playing game. Another role-playing adventure. Let, let me just before oh. we go there. So yes. we're we're focusing specifically on the game portion of it, not not just the role playing, but that that there's a game element involved as well. Correct? I think so. Okay. I think so. I think you know, and you've got the the uh, Agent P's adventure. Yes. Have you done? When you that? go to Epcot, and again, you play the role of of uh, someone helping Agent P. Have you done this one? That one I haven't done yet. Oh, uh, I is, always threaten to. It is a lot of fun. It is really fun. It's uh, it's called Agent P's World Showcase Adventure. Yep. This is one of, off the top of my head, I want to say two places in Walt Disney World where you can uh, find something to do with Phineas and Ferb. 
and this one's at Epcot. And what this is is it's called uh, Agent P's World Showcase Adventure. So it takes place in, you know, Epcot, of course, is essentially two theme parks. You have uh, Future World at the front of the park and World Showcase at the back of the park. This takes place strictly in World Showcase around the uh, 11 countries around uh, uh, World Showcase Lagoon. And each of the pavilions that you would go to, you, you go and you sign up to be an agent and you're assisting Agent P uh, on this adventure. And you're trying to, I'm trying to remember if you're trying to find or if you're just trying to foil uh, Doofensmirt. But you go around to these different countries and you follow clues. Mm-hmm. And as you follow the clues with your little communicator device, different things that, as you were saying, Scott, you know, in Magic Kingdom with, uh, say, Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, there are these little things that will open up these portals and these these different displays that are right there in front of you. But unless you're playing the game, you're they're totally inconspicuous. You don't realize that it's actually even part of something else. Same thing happens with Agent P's World Showcase Adventure. You go to these different countries around World Showcase, and you'll have these different displays and these different objects or... You know, it can be anything. It can be a building facade. It can be something in uh, a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And it's there. It's just part of the decor. But when you're actually playing the game, some of these displays will come alive and animate and do different things. And it's just so much fun to play this adventure and have these different displays and things come to life. And you never knew it was there. Even if you're, you know, as, as well versed and, and as well traveled around Walt Disney World as like you and I are, to go and do something like this just makes it that much more fun because it makes it new and fresh again. Because yep. you're discovering something about something that you've seen a thousand times that you didn't even know that this could happen there. Um, and once again, the free word comes into play. Absolutely, it's it's totally free. Uh, really, the only thing you have to spend for this is that you know time. It, it does take a while to play the different adventures, but that's the cool thing about it too is that there are different adventures. Mm-hmm. So it's a different experience every time that you play it because each one of the uh, adventures, I want to say, I want to say covers three countries. I could be wrong on that, but it covers uh, more than one country. So there are several adventures to do, and I haven't even done them all. I've done two or three of them. And each one of the adventures, I mean, you know, you go at your own pace, so there's no time limit. You know, you don't, you know, you're not rushed through it or anything like that. You kind of move at your own pace. But it's just so much fun to discover, you know, to play the game and, and go through the adventure and just discover these little uh, hidden gems that you know you may have never noticed before. Plus, they educate you a bit on the country that you're that you're in. You know that's being represented by the pavilion that you're in. But also, it may educate you a bit about one of the displays or something that's in that pavilion. That again, you may have looked at it, but you never really understood what it was or what it was meant to represent. Um, that's right. You might gasp, learn something. Learn something exactly, which you know goes back to. The original purpose of, of Epcot to begin with, you know, edutainment, and I, I love that. Yep. Um, I, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but just off the top of my head, a, a couple of uh, of the ones that I liked best was there was one in England, uh, in the uh, UK pavilion, rather, um, back on the back side of that last gift shop, all the way at the back of the UK pavilion, back there where it's now a uh, Winnie the Pooh and characters meet and greet. There's a window that comes alive with a great water effect. 
Hmm. Uh, you just have to see it to believe it. Because when I saw it, I was like, well, that's really cool. How did they do that? And uh, my favorite one so far, like I said, I have not done all of them, but by far my favorite effect so far is one of the missions, uh, I think it was the conclusion of the mission, if I'm not mistaken, you make the volcano in the Mexican pavilion, you make the volcano erupt. That's cool. The effect is very, very neat, very convincing, and it's a lot of fun because you're actually making it happen. That was a lot of fun. So yeah, that one's a blast. I, I really, uh, I was a big fan of that one. I never did get to play the the one that was uh, prior to it, the Kim Possible one. So I don't, yep. I can't speak to that one. But this one's a lot of fun. It really is. Uh, also, I'm going to go somewhere that you might not think I would go. But the Streetmosphere players hmm. in Disney Studios. What I have found, and this is personal experience, if they pick up that you are game and quick witted. They will integrate you into what you're doing, what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they will let you play with them. They will let you riff with them. So again, role playing. Here's another good opportunity for you. I mean, don't try to force yourself into it, but if they pick up on th- that you have the ability to do it, they will. They'll let you play with them. Well, see that <laughs> that goes back to my original question of role playing versus role playing game. Because uh, just on that subject of role playing, I think uh, I think we could throw in Enchanted Tales with Bell. I actually have that on my list. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do, in fact, have that on my list. Enchanted Tales with Belle is a very immersive experience, and again, you are an active participant in the storytelling element of the Beauty and the Beast story. Mm-hmm. They pick people out of the audience to play roles. The first time I did it, I got to play a, a guard or a knight, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for anybody, any age. And they usually, if you're a big burly guy, you'll wind up playing a guard or a knight. So <laughs> they make sure to pick those out. Going back over to the studios, one that uh, that makes you cry, uh, the Jedi Academy over at Star oh. Tours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it did. <laughs> now, you may know something more about I'm, I, I'm ashamed to say it, but I don't know much about this, so I don't know if this falls into the realm of role-playing or role-playing game, but uh, over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, you've got uh, the Wilderness Explorers. Do you know anything about that one? Um, I don't think it, I don't think it's, no, I don't know a lot about it. <laughs> my, my impression of it is that you're kind of playing, I don't know if you're necessarily playing Russell or if you're just supposed to be a fellow wilderness explorer, but you go around and you collect the badges that he had on his, uh... Yeah, I, I kind of always equated that to the, uh, the Kidcot passports. Ah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I, I didn't put it in there. But there's another one that a lot of people probably have not heard of. And that's because it's not run by Disney, but it happens in Disney parks. And it's called Mouse Adventure. Mm. And MousePlanet.com, which has been a long time Disney website, they have a series of, they call it, and I'm going to give you their quote, part scavenger hunt, part road rally, part trivia challenge. It's team-based and they just basically set you loose in the park with some instructions, some questions, some adventures planned out for you. And it's a competi- It's an actual competition. They do it a couple of times a year. They do it both in Florida and in California. And people love it. Absolutely love this thing. And it's just called Mouse Adventure. And you can go to mouseplanet.com slash mouseadventure to find out more about this event. There's one that Disney actually does sponsor and run itself that has something to do with Goofy. 
but I'm not sure if that one is open to the general public or if that one is cast only. I'm, I'm really hmm. not sure. I've seen it come around a couple of times since I've been working there, and I've been very curious to check into it, but... I, the only reason I hadn't yet was that the the buy-in price of it is a, it was a little bit steep for me. But uh, when it comes around again, I, I might see if I can actually get in on it. And it, it sounds very similar because it's team-based. Yeah. And uh, I, I can't remember what the name of it is. It's something like Goofy's Great Mystery Challenge or something to that effect. But it sounds very similar because I've been told it's it's part scavenger hunt part trivia because i was invited into it the last time it came around um, some cast members i work with invited me to join in because they needed somebody that was strong on the trivia end of it um but i just wasn't able to well for one i wasn't able to get the time but i, I just i couldn't at that time swing the the buy-in on it which i think was like i think it's like 75 bucks or something like that but it does sound like it'd be a blast you know but again i i I wish I knew more about it because I'm I'm not sure that may be cast only. I'm I really don't remember on that one. I'll see if I can find some more information out and, and get back to you on that one. Uh, the only other thing that kind of came up to me was, um, and, and this one again may not necessarily fit the criteria, but uh, but Disney Quest I think offers uh, mm-hmm. a number of experiences that that may arguably fall into that that realm of role playing or a role playing game. No, I think you're right. I think the Jungle Cruise adventure certainly does. The Pirates of the Caribbean adventure certainly does. Mm-hmm. They're all first-person immersive experiences. So, yeah, it does. The only reason I really didn't put Disney Quest on my list is just it's so... The technology is so old now. I'm actually glad that you brought that up because uh, I'm going to share... You know, one of the things I would like for us to start doing on this show is uh is throwing little tips and tricks in there you know and but i I prefer for now to kind of do them organically like this rather than actually have a set segment called tips and tricks but just as things may occur to us that hey by the way folks you know know, here's a little tip for you kind of thing so i'm glad you brought that up the the thing about disney quest because i agree with you Mm. we've been going to disney quest since our first trip uh as a family in 99 and I can tell you authoritatively that Disney Quest has not changed a bit in 15 years. <laughs> it's not. And that's not me. Believe me, that's not me slagging Disney Quest. I actually really like Disney Quest a lot. So here's where the tip comes in. Listening audience, if you're thinking about going to Disney Quest, you need to seriously check into adding it to your tickets as part of the Water Park Fun and More package. Because if you do it that way, the cost is negligible adding that on. And however many tickets you buy, when you add the water park fun and more option on there, that's how many visits that you get to, of course, water parks or Disney Quest or miniature golf before 4 p.m. to ESPN Wide World of Sports or to real golf over at... uh, uh, what is that, Oak Trail? I think it's Oak Trail, the nine-hole uh, walking golf course. And so that's really, that's a great way to do Disney quests. And again, I'm saying this in air quotes, kind of on the cheap. And it's not as expensive because if you do Disney Quest out of pocket one time for a family of four, you're going to spend upwards of $200. Whereas if you add it onto your tickets as part of the water park fun and more, now I can't give you numbers on that, but I know it's nowhere near that much. So it's really a much better way to be able to, to do Disney Quest and other things. But the thing with that, too, is that, so say you're staying five days and you've got five days worth of theme park tickets. 
I see a lot of people make this, and, and again, you know, mistake in air quotes, but I see a lot of people make this mistake where they'll add something like Water Park Fun and More option on there. Well, my question to them is, where are you going to find the time to use all those visits? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't understand how Water Park Fun and More visits actually work. And they don't understand that however many tickets you have is how many visits you have. What I mean by that is if you're staying for five days and you have five-day tickets and you add Water Park Fun and More option, you now have five visits for what I mentioned before, Water Parks, Disney Quest, all these other things. So then you have to figure out, well, when am I actually going to do all this stuff? So it's better in my mind if you are staying, say, five days to buy three or four days worth of tickets and then add that option on there. And then you're actually allowing yourself some time where you can knock out those visits. Yep. So, for example, say you're staying five days, but you get three days worth of tickets. That's three days of going into the parks. Those other two days, those are the days that you can use your water park visit, Say if you go to Blizzard Beach, for example, you could do Blizzard Beach and mini golf, which is right there. Winter Summerland is attached to Blizzard Beach. You can do both of those visits in one day, and you can you know you can burn through your visits faster. I mean, you could potentially do you know uh, three visits in a day and and burn up all of those water park fun and more. So you could go to Blizzard Beach, then do some mini golf, and then go to. Uh, to Disney Quest, for example, and you know it's a much cheaper option for doing things like that. And it's just one of those things that I see, you know, being at the front desk at my resort, that I just don't think people understand uh, how they work. A lot of times, I, I think what's happening a lot of times, I think that a lot of third-party travel agents and travel companies kind of upsell people on some of these packages and give them things that they either don't need or they want, but they upsell them more than they actually need, if you know what I mean. So they end up paying for things, and then they don't have the physical amount of time to actually use everything up. So, you know, that's lost value. So anyway, that's my little, uh, my little tip for doing, uh, for doing Disney Quest uh, less expensively. Excellent. Well, can we think of anything else in the uh, role-playing uh, genre? No, I, I think I've exhausted it, but I'm sure somebody, <laughs> I'll, I'm sure somebody will send us an email. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. You know that reminds me. Mm-hmm. On the subject of email, uh, we are definitely looking for feedback to the show. We have received a small bit. We will be covering it in a future episode, but we kind of want to let it build up a little bit more. So please, if you're enjoying the show, if you have ideas for the show, if you think of things that we missed in our uh, Walt Disney World for these such and such geek segments, uh, write in about that. Write in about whatever you want to. I know that we have some very passionate listeners uh, when it comes to Walt Disney World, so please write in and let us know what you're thinking. Yes. And uh, we will be reading those on the air. I know something I won't tell. I won't tell. I won't tell. I know something I won't tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in the interest of time, we're going to go ahead and dive into our final segment. Now, this is our brand new segment that we uh, we just announced it last time. We didn't actually get into it, so uh, we're really itching to get into this one. And, uh, and uh, bear with us, because I'm not sure exactly what form this is going to take. But uh, do you want to lead off on this one? This was kind of your baby, I think, right? Oh, yeah, we were talking about different things and uh, different ways to kind of talk about things in the park. And uh, I thought, I know something you don't know. 
would be interesting where we would randomly choose one thing about Disney World, whether it's a restaurant, a resort, an attraction. We would randomly select it, and then we'd have a month, and we'd come back with something that we thought we could stump the other with about that attraction. And <laughs> randomly selected, last time we wound up with Spaceship Earth. I and like so, this idea. My stumper is when you are riding Spaceship Earth, as you pass through the scene where they are using papyrus to communicate in Egypt, there is a priest standing beside the person who is writing on the papyrus. Do you know who that priest is? He is William Howard Taft ah! in the Hall of Presidents. Darn it! <laughs> Got me. There is a shocking amount of reused audio animatronic figures in Spaceship Earth. The, yes. uh, the bulk of them are presidents from the Hall of Presidents. You've That's got right. uh, Zachary Taylor, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, John Tyler, Franklin Pierce, John Adams, Andrew Jackson. There's a, there's a bunch of them. Yep. Uh, now, it's not all presidents. Uh, there are some characters from uh, the American Adventure as well, but uh, I was shocked because I had recognized one or two of them over the years of going over and over repeated visits to Spaceship Earth because it's one of my favorite attractions. I felt like a genius when I realized that um, there's a guy, he's on your right-hand side as you're ascending in Spaceship Earth. He's just past the scene with the, with the Hebrew and, um, and Islamic scholars. He's sitting on the, on the floor, and he has a book open. And one day I realized, that's Franklin Pierce. So I felt so smart when I realized <laughs> that. And then in doing the research for this segment... Uh, I actually found a master list of all of the recycled uh, right. audio animatronics, and I'm like, oh my lord, it's, I couldn't believe how many of them were also other presidents, so yes. I thought that that was really cool. Tons of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really neat. I mean, you'd be shocked. The, the bulk of the figures are not original to Spaceship Earth. No. All right, let's see if I know something you don't know about Spaceship Earth. Did you know that Spaceship Earth is the most visited attraction at Walt Disney World? Hmm, no, I did not know that. Now, how they gather that figure, I do not know, but uh, I was impressed by that. It actually does make sense, though, when you sure, think about it. Sure, it's the first it. thing there when you get to Epcot. Yep, so it everybody is. goes in Epcot, usually winds up riding it. Yep. Well, plus it's it's just it's one of those great and quintessential attractions where everybody can go on it. You know, from your screaming infant yeah. and to your 99-year-old great-grandmother, everybody can ride Spaceship Earth. You know, there's no height limit, no warnings of hey, you know, if you got a bad back or a bad heart or you know whatever, it, it, anybody can ride it and and enjoy it. And I think that's one of the great things about that attraction. I really do. Yeah, and it's a continuously loading Omnimover ride system, which means. It's a very fast loader. Yes. Mm -hmm. So lines move quickly. All right. Well, give me a number between 68 and 308. Oh, are we picking the next one already? Yeah. Oh, I thought we were just going to keep playing one-upmanship on that. Oh, okay. no. I, I just thought we were bringing one fact to the table. You got oh, more? Oh, are you kidding me? I came armed with that. I thought I was set. Oh, well, that's, I, I've got notes out the wazoo here. Let me see. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some. How are we looking on time? Um, do what you gotta do. Alright. Do you know there were four different versions? Uh, there was the original, the original Walter Cronkite version. And now, your host, Walter Cronkite. For eons, our planet has drifted as a spaceship through the universe. 
And for a brief moment, we have been its passengers. Yet in that time, we've made tremendous progress in our ability to record and share knowledge. So let's journey back 40,000 years to the dawn of recorded history. We'll trace the path of communications from its earliest beginnings to the promise of the future. There was a there was a Jeremy Irons version that kind of people recognize as the as the version. The mighty Roman Empire bridged three continents with a vast system of roads, the fastest information highways the world had ever known. East, west, north, and south, all roads led to Rome. These same roads were turned against Rome by invaders whose destruction left ages of knowledge and wisdom in the ashes that would become the Dark Ages. I was just going to say, what, what would be your favorite version? Because that's mine only because I think, for one, I like the narration better, but also, you know, that was my first impression of Spaceship Earth. And I think it's a little more impassioned, a little less scholar. Yeah. Oh, his, his voice is fantastic in that. There's the current one, and I cannot remember what's her name that uh, narrates the, the current one. Dame Judy Dench. Dame Judy Dench. Remember how easy it was to learn your ABCs? Thank the Phoenicians. They invented them. Oh, is there just a, a generic announcer for the other? There is one that predates uh, Walter Cronkite. Ah. That, depending on where you go and who you talk to, has been heavily reported to be Vic Parent. But it is not Vic Perrin, at least according to Marty Scalar, it is actually Lawrence Dobkin. Now our future world draws near, and we face the challenge of tomorrow. We must return and take command of our spaceship Earth to become captains of our own destiny, to reach out and fulfill our dreams. In prep for this, I dug deep into my uh, Walt Disney World sound archives and actually found both the Dobkin version and the Walter Cronkite version that I have but had never really listened to that much. Mm. If you have the means to look that stuff up, it's actually a lot of fun to start with the first one, start with the Dobkin one, and then listen to the Cronkite, and then listen to the Irons, and then listen to the current one, and you can hear the evolution of that ride and as they dropped and added things and, and how things you know have changed and tweaked here and there, and uh, I think that's, that's a lot of fun. Sure, but, absolutely. Uh, I suspect that the Irons one will always be my favorite because you know that was that was the first one I ever went on was the Irons one. I, I like his narration, but also, and it pains me to say this because I love Bruce Broughton. He's one of my favorite film composers of all time. He's the one that composed the current score for Spaceship Earth, which I really like. But the score in the Jeremy Irons version is just—it's awesome. As good as the Broughton one is, the original one, uh, or not the original, but the one with Jeremy Irons, uh, it just it just fits better somehow. It just it seems to match the mood better. It was uh, Ido, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right, Ido Giudotti, who I guess does uh, World of Warcraft music now, which I thought was interesting. Huh. But yeah, I mean, I, I could lay out stuff all day on this thing because I love Spaceship Earth. I, I did a ton of... Uh, uh, boning up on the subject just for the for this segment because I it, it is one of my absolute favorite attractions. I just I've always liked that it harkens back to uh, to the Paris sphere of the uh, 
1939 New York World's Fair in Woodbridge. Goes into my love of the, the Justice Society and the All-Star Squadron from the comics and stuff like that, which I, I'm a sucker for that sort of thing. I've always liked projections of the future. What, were the future, what was the future going to be like? And Spaceship Earth is still one of those, you know, the last holdouts in Future World at Epcot that still is kind of projecting the future, even though it's a, a, a more whimsical future these days. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, you want to get the next one going? I'll go a nice even number. I'll say 200. 200. And I flipped through the 2015, the brand new one, actually. Kali River Rapids is the first attraction oh, I come no. to. Kali <laughs> River Rapids. I couldn't tell you the last time I rode Kali River Rapids. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> you you, the, you may easily stump me on that one because I, I don't know a lot about that one. I'll be honest. Hmm. Well, bring your one fact to the table and we'll see. All right. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Ladies and gentlemen, our time travels have been momentarily delayed. Please remain seated. Your time machine vehicle will begin moving again at any moment. Please remain seated. We'll resume our journey shortly. Thank you.